Good morning, you guys. So I'm sitting here in my truck, actually, in front of a church in Tennessee. And I'm in this area where the mountains are so beautiful. And a lot of times I'll get away in the morning to pray and to worship because it's a time of the day where it's uninterrupted by my children because I like to wake up before they do. Um, And I'm so thankful for this time because I feel like it's the time where God just speaks to my heart and oftentimes breathes life into my heart um, and confidence and things that I need day to day. And I've learned through my life that if I don't take hold of these moments every day, that it's so easy to get sidetracked. So I'm just going to share with you today the thing that has most recently been on my heart. And I'm going to start off, um, I'm going to go to the Bible in John chapter 8. It's one of my favorite, favorite parts of scripture. And if you haven't read it, it's about the adulterous woman who gets caught. And so I'm going to read a little bit of it. So in John 8, it says that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. And they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such a woman should be stoned. But what do you say? And they said that to Jesus because they were testing him. And so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And then he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And the people that heard it, there were all these people around and they're just wanting to condemn this woman who was caught in the middle of adultery, caught in the middle. Like these people saw her and she was in the middle of adultery and they drag her out and they try to condemn her. And Jesus says to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to cast a stone. And then those who heard it being convicted, their conscience, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the youngest. And then they left. And when Jesus raised himself up and he saw that no one was there, there the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. So Jesus, the son of God, lived this perfect life. And there's this woman who, it wasn't like they were saying, hey, we heard these things about her. She was caught in the middle of it and she was brought out to be embarrassed, to be persecuted. And they're using this woman, they're using her in her sin to try to catch Jesus because they're testing him and they're trying to say, well, if you're God, what would you do? And he kneels down and writes in the ground. I don't know what he's writing with. I've heard like a stick in the dirt and he doesn't get angry. He doesn't do anything. He just tells them, whoever is without sin, you be the first to throw the stone. They all walk away and then he says, I don't condemn you. Neither do I. I don't condemn you. In this Gnostic gospel, then we find out that, so the lady goes into town and she talks to all these people and she says to them, I have met the Lord. I've met the Christ. And she said, he knew everything about my life. And she's telling them, she's a believer at this point, right? She's like, this guy, he knows he is Jesus. And she runs around, she doesn't walk away in shame, but she runs out to the people, the very people that condemned her. And she says, I saw him. He told me my story. He is real. And most recently, I heard this from a church that we went to, and we were just visiting, and, and the pastor's wife actually preached this message about freedom. And it just lit up my soul, and she used this passage to talk about how that's what it feels like 
Jesus comes down in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our, the Bible calls it that we are dead, right? We are completely dead without him, dead. And then he comes in and he gives us life in the middle of our sin. And I just can't imagine the freedom of this woman that she's running around and she's like, I met him and her heart that has been weighty and bogged down by the things that she's involved with is free. It's free. And she shares it with everybody and she runs around and she's like, there's freedom, freedom. This man has offered me freedom. And I just can't help but to imagine and to feel how her soul is just singing with freedom and what that feeling is like. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, because I'm going to tell you, I have walked through dark, dark nights of the soul. And my story is that I got, um, I was raised in a very conservative Baptist home. I was raised to know the Lord. I was saved at a young age and went to a small university, a Christian college. I was in philosophy classes. I was a Christian studies minor. Um, I was our Baptist student ministry co-president. I spent my summers serving the Lord and doing mission trips. And I took a semester off and I worked at a church and children's ministry. And I was raised to know Jesus. And I did. And I do. And my faith grew a lot in college um, through serving and through experiences. And in college, I met um, my husband, my first husband. And we got married right after college. And we were married for 10 years. And when we got married, I wanted to go serve in, in the mission field, and he wanted to be a pastor. And the thing that attracted to me, attracted me to him the most was that I had felt like I had never seen somebody love Jesus the way that he did. And so that was really, like, that was it for me, right? That was the only reason was that I was like, oh, man, there's this guy. Like, he's hot for sure. He's fun. We're friends. But he loves the Lord, and so our relationship is going to be perfect. Because that's the most important thing. And it is the most important thing, but it's not the only thing that matters. So we were married for 10 years, and about year one, we started really having a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Um, And very, very quickly, our relationship was no longer about Jesus, but just about ourselves. You know, like, there were so many things that I wanted, and things that aren't bad, like they're good and they're right, but... I wanted to be taken care of. I wanted to be provided for. I always wanted him to lead me. Um, and he wanted me to submit to him. He wanted me to love him in the way that he felt like he wanted to be loved. And very quickly, we really got our value. Like my identity and his identity came from each other and what we thought we needed from the other person. And the more that we didn't give those things to each other, the more we focused on ourselves and the more we grew contentious and angry and bitter and separated. And that continued for years and years. And, you know, to be real with you, I struggled so much with, I would, one, I always, like, I always have felt so much confidence and um, so much of my identity has come from how other people respond to me, how they make me feel about myself. And so during that time in our marriage, I just really sought that out. I sought that out in other people. Um, other men. And so there would be people, you know, like men in my life that they would think that I was special or they would make me feel good about myself. And so I would, it would just in my mind get to this place of like, see, I am special and I do deserve these things in my marriage. And then very quickly I found that whenever things were hard, which they were constantly, 
that that's where I would let my mind go. It would go to a place of, I really deserve better. And these other people see these things in me. And so I deserve that. Um, and I would kind of like live in this fantasy life, right? Like, well, if I was with this person, then life would be easier. If I was with this person, I would laugh more and I deserve to laugh. And if I was with this person, I'd be able to pay my bills and I would be able to drive the car that I want and we would have a house and I wouldn't have to worry where groceries are going to come from. I wouldn't have to work 60 hours a week. And I lived there. I just lived there. And so over the years, we started, you know, hanging around people that were great people, but they weren't tethered to the Lord in the way that we wanted to be. And now, let me tell you, not the way that we were living, because we weren't. We weren't living tethered to Jesus walking with him. Um, and then we just kind of found comfort in those people, and it was fun, and we started going out a lot, and just really spending our days doing things that we shouldn't, we shouldn't have been doing, that weren't protecting our marriage. And you guys, I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes. And it was two ways. You know, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just him. But one of my friends in college one time, um, he was actually from Zimbabwe, and he talked in some kind of public speaking form. I don't remember what it was. But one of the things that stuck out to me that has, has stayed with me and has most recently come back to my mind was he said, little tigers become big tigers. And big tigers kill. And that is so, so true. Because those little things that seem so innocent, they grow and they become these big things and they kill you. And instead of being aware and alert of those little things, we both dove into them. We found comfort in those things. And we just chose to stop fighting the fight. And when you choose to stop fighting that on a daily basis, then you're walking into the fire. And so we separated a couple of times. We went to counseling. We did things like that to try to mend our marriage. <clears throat> and it just got darker and darker. And then we got to a place where I completely lost hope. So did he. We both stopped fighting. And I asked for a divorce. And it was a hard process, but it was something that, to be honest with you, I'd been thinking about for the last probably three years of our marriage, and I was terrified to do it. And I was terrified because I was raised, like I said, in a very conservative Baptist setting. Nobody in my family has been divorced. My mom and dad have been through um, a really turbulent marriage, but they've stayed together, and I've seen God bless that. Nobody in my family had gotten a divorce, but I chose it. And he didn't stop me. Um, and so we did. So we divorced. We have two kids. They're young, but at the time they were three and six and I moved out and then I started my own life and I started working towards what I had always wanted life to be. And I worked hard. Like I worked hard and I was proud of myself because I was able to get me and my boys into a situation that was better than we had ever been in. We lived in a nicer place. I made more money. I actually had a savings account for the first time ever. Um, but it was hard, and it wasn't without trials. And I remember I used to wake my children up at 5 a.m. to take them um, to the gym because I was coaching, and um, I, had to, I had to coach every available hour that I could. And it wasn't just coaching. I was cleaning houses. I was nannying. I was working for one of my friends who had her own business. I was doing four or five jobs at a time to put food on the table and to provide for my kids. And like come hell or high water, I was going to provide for my kids because they had never been provided for. 
And I did, but it was hard. I used to cry every morning whenever I would carry my kids to the car asleep, and I would just think, this cannot be it. Like, I have got to change these things for my children. And through those few years, I think that I really just dove into being busy, into the goal of taking care of my kids. And so I didn't really let Jesus work on my heart. I thought that I was, but I was really just keeping myself busy to try to do something that I felt like, okay, I'm in control of this. I can take control of this. Um, And not that those things are bad, right? Like I needed to provide for my kids and I needed to do whatever it took. And that was the part of life that I was in and I had made those choices. And God was very gracious to me during that time. But I never really like sat back and just got alone with the Lord and let him work over my heart and the pain and and the rift that happened because of the decisions that I and we had made. And so couple years after I got divorced, I started dating this guy who is now my husband. And when we dated, it was like, oh, man, we laugh, and he's strong, and he's determined, and he knows what he believes in. He fights for people, like fights for people. Like he is the most loyal person I've ever known and, and the most fiercely protective person I've ever known. And that was what my heart needed and what my soul needed. And at the time, <clears throat> when we were dating, he was 19 at the time, and I was 32. And <laughs> that's right, 19 and 32, you heard that right. But our souls really lined up in a lot of ways, and he loved the Lord. He was raised very different. He was raised Mormon, which is very, very different than I was, but with his Mormon um, childhood, he was taught how to live very graciously, how to love well, how to be very, very disciplined, just things I didn't have that I really was attracted to and that I wanted. And the most mature person I had ever met, like throw age out of the way, he was the most mature. And he just most, he just so naturally like walked into my life and the boys' lives and he loved them well and he led them in my boys. Let me tell you, they just clung to him because he provided this consistency that they hadn't ever seen. And so we had kind of started dating, and he remembers the story so much better than I do, and he's, I'm not good with dates and things like that, he is. Um, And one Christmas, my mom, she knew that we were friends, and she was like, hey, why don't you bring Bryson with us on the Christmas trip? And now at this point, she did not know that we were dating. And so I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So I, I brought Bryson and my two boys and my mom and dad, and we went to Colorado, and my parents fell in love with Bryson. And he, I mean, it's hard not to when you meet him. He's just, he's the greatest. And they saw the consistency that he brought to us and how the boys loved him. And my mom told me, she was like, you know, if you wanted to date Bryson, it would be okay. And all of a sudden, I was just like free, right? I was like, okay, so it's okay. I can date this guy because, you know, what mom says matters a lot. My mom and I are very close. And when she says things, it it does provide me freedom in a lot of ways. Um, Or it stops me in my tracks and it helps me to see the areas that I need to see that maybe need to change, whatever it is. My mom just speaks deeply into my soul when she talks. And so Bryce and I started dating after that, and we dated for a while. Um, And it was good, and we had so much fun together, and we are good together. We're a good team. And all these things that I hadn't had in my previous marriage, he and I have. And I just was so happy. But as things got to be really serious, I kind of, my heart got to this point where I, I don't know. It was just the time when God finally opened my eyes. And I, the last couple of weeks before we broke up, um, I just started having like this deep, deep 
conviction, like this conviction where like I was getting sick, I was having panic attacks. And I am not that kind of person. I'm very jovial and resilient and things don't really weigh me down very much. And, and I'm thankful for that. I feel like that's a gift that God's given me. But it can also be something that is not good because I think sometimes people in my life feel like I don't care deeply, which I do. Um, but things don't bother me the way they do for other people. And so I think some people see that as like, oh, well, she just doesn't care. And I've struggled with that and I've had to really work on it. Um, and so now I'm like in this place where I, I'm not resilient. All these things are just holding me down. And I have this conviction and I can't breathe. And I, I remember driving out on my own one day and just parking the car because I was crying hysterically. And God had just weighed my heart down. And I knew that I had to do some business with the Lord, that my heart had some things that had to be worked on. And so I had walked for so long in the guilt and the shame of divorce. So after we got divorced, I felt like, it was all my fault. I had made this huge mistake. And remember, I made mistakes when we were married. So I carried the guilt of those. And I just knew that I was walking in this place where I was like, okay, Lord, do whatever you want. Teach me. But don't you ever ask me to go back to that marriage, to that relationship. But anything else, whatever you want, I'll do it. Anything you want. If it's embarrassing, if it's scary, if it's whatever, I'll do it. And God just kind of brought me to a place on my knees where he was like, no, no, no. You don't get to be closed-handed with a part of your life that you don't want to do with. You have to be open-handed with all of it. And so I felt a deep conviction that I needed to go back to my ex-husband, and I needed to, at the, at the time, the idea was just that we wouldn't hate each other. Because after we got divorced, there was so much anger and hate, and our kids were in the middle of it, and it's just heartbreaking. And I just knew that I couldn't walk forward in my life like that because it was destroying my children, and it wasn't who I was. I didn't want to walk that way. So I broke up with Bryson and it was the hardest thing that I have ever done because I loved him. But I also knew that I couldn't fully give my heart to him because there was so much hurt and shame and guilt and conviction and all these things that I just had to deal with. So we broke up, he ended up moving to Tennessee, going to school. And for about a year we were apart. And during that year, I, um, after we broke up, I went and sat down with my ex-husband and I was like, listen, we can't go on like this. It's hurting our kids. We can't hate each other. We have to find a way to let God come into these areas, to these cracks that are broken, because we can live a divorced life in a way that most people don't, where we care for each other, we respect each other, and we parent these kids lovingly without hating each other. And so a lot of things happened. We talked, and so we ended up dating again. Um, and when we dated... It was the first time through his and I's relationship that I was just like, okay, Lord, I don't need anything from him. I don't need him to treat me a certain way. I don't need him to provide for me. I don't need him to laugh at my jokes. If he tells me that I frustrate him or whatever it may be, that's fine. I'm accepting it because I want you to heal this relationship. Because at the time, I felt like God had told me, you have to be completely willing to let me come in and to heal these things. And the only way that that's going to happen is for you to only need me, just me. And every single day, I, throughout the day, had to pray my way through not needing anything from this other man. Because if God was going to heal our relationship, it had to be based on Jesus. It couldn't be about us or what I needed. And I did. And I did it with all of my heart because I felt like the Lord had called me to that. And that was really the only reason. And we got to a point where I was just like, I have been so open with my heart 
And I still, I think there's so much brokenness. I think there's so much from our past. And I just, like, my heart isn't free to love you. It isn't free to respect you, to honor you in the way that I feel like I should with the person that I would be married to. And in that moment, we both agreed that, you know, we had just been through so much. And so God had reconciled our hearts in a way that we didn't expect because we thought, okay, well, if God's moving, then he must be restoring our marriage. Um, but he wasn't. That's not what he was doing. He was restoring us as individuals. And so we agreed that moving forward, that this wasn't the right course for our life. And yes, after that, there were some issues. There were things where, like, you know, he went back on, well, I do think we're supposed to be together and, and things like that. But I didn't. And God had given me just complete freedom. And so we we had broken up and never revisited that relationship again. We both and we both went in our separate directions. And it was a good thing because of the fact that now we can respect each other in parenting. And we haven't since then put our kids in the middle of just all of this mess, just this mess of arguing and yelling and working against each other and taking from each other and things that were not fair to our boys. So I'm thankful for that time because in that time, God taught me a couple of things. He taught me that everything in this life is meaningless. It's totally meaningless without Jesus. So I don't need a man to bring me joy. I don't need a man to make me feel loved the way that I want to feel loved. I don't need a man to breathe confidence into my soul. And not that those things are bad. They're not bad. And I'm not saying that. So please don't hear that. But they can't be ultimate. And I had made them ultimate for as long as I had been in a marriage or any relationship. I had made those things the most important. So it took Jesus just stripping those things down for me for me to finally see that I could not go to those sources and have any fulfillment, not sustainable fulfillment. And so I'm thankful for that time because God taught me to rely on him. He taught me to depend on him. And it wasn't because I chose it. I just need to say that. I didn't start making all of these wonderful choices because I was like, okay, I'm going to love Jesus with all my heart. Let's go. I made those choices because I felt like God had convicted me so deeply that I couldn't breathe. And I felt like at one point, that if I didn't walk in obedience, that he was going to take my life from me. That's how deeply I felt. So God did something in my heart that was bigger than me. And through that grace, I was able to turn back to him and follow him. And then as I did, he blessed those things. So after my ex-husband and I ended that relationship, Bryson came back into town. And he and I did not talk over that year because I was committed to being focused on the Lord and the things I had learned from my past and not going to other men and not going to these places, these fantasy places in my life or in my mind where life was going to be so perfect. Um, and I was obedient to that. And I'm thankful for that because it was only by God's grace that I was obedient to that. And so Bryson came back and we talked and um, I knew that over that year that he was preparing my heart for, for Bryson and all those things became so clear to me. And I, and I realized that, God had to strengthen me in certain ways to be the woman for Bryson that, that I think God wanted me to be for him and that, and that Bryson needed. And so we dated not for very long because we both knew once we, we had actually had a lot of conversations, a lot of late nights staying up and talking about the Lord and where we were and how we had grown and what we would expect out of a marriage if we were to date, because we knew that if we dated, we would get married because we had this deep connection in our souls that, never went away and even over that year only strengthened even though we didn't talk like it was god was preparing each of us individually for each other 
and it was so evident whenever we came back together. So got married during COVID, we went to Florida with our families, and it was this beautiful, beautiful wedding, um, a small wedding, and and that was it. And so we were married, and now we're married, and now we live in Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we have our two boys up here with us, and we're figuring it out. And, you know, the thing that I'm so thankful for is that God, I feel like, used Bryson to show me that he loved me and that there was grace and forgiveness in my life. Because here's what I want to really talk about today is that I have lived with such guilt and with such shame for so long because I feel like I spent so much of my life just making these choices that I knew were not right and I didn't even want. I've always had a strong moral compass. But like I just, like I felt like couldn't make the right choice. I just kept feeling like, oh, I screwed up again. I screwed up again. And I screwed up so much that now I've affected everybody, my kids, this man that I was married to, my family, my friends. I lost a lot of friends during this, you guys, a lot of friends, because they, a lot of my friends came from this Baptist university that I was raised in. And I think divorce is such a taboo thing that people walked away. And I, get, I got very bitter, if I'm honest with you. There were, there were so many times where, like, I didn't go to church for a long time because a lot of my friends that I had, they were involved in church. And when Bear and I got divorced, they just stopped talking to me. It was like they wanted to talk to me leading up to the divorce because a lot of them knew that we were in this place and they knew what I wanted to do. And so they would talk to me and be like, you know, God can fix this. He can heal it. And we're going to walk with you and we're going to fight with you and we're going we're gonna to stand in the fire with you. And then after we got a divorce, crickets. Nobody was there. Nobody knew where I lived, where I had moved to. Nobody helped me move my things in. Nobody sat and cried with me and said, you're hurting and we want to be there for you. My family did. And I'm so thankful for that. But a lot of those friends didn't. And then whenever my ex and I had started dating again, those very same friends, they kind of reached out and they were like, hey, we're so glad God's been doing something. And so it was like when they felt comfortable like we were doing something that was right in their eyes as a believer, they wanted to be there. But in the times that they thought we were making decisions that were wrong as believers, they were gone. And I was so, so hurt because I felt like you knew my heart and you knew that I loved the Lord. And so even if I made decisions that you didn't agree with, like I, I need you to love me in those moments and to walk with me then too and not abandon me in those times. So I had a lot of hurt from the church and from friends, and it has taken a while for me to be open to the Lord in those things and to get back involved in the church and to know that, you know, people are free to feel how they want, and that's okay, and they haven't walked in my shoes, and so they can't judge me. And conversely, I am not walking in their shoes, and I can't judge them. And so maybe God has put things on their heart that I don't understand that these breaks in these relationships, these, you know, severed ties, maybe they were necessary. I don't know. But I had to reestablish some friends and some people around me, and I'm thankful for that, and it has taught me a lot, and it's been a hard process. And so now we're in this place where we're doing that. We, we have some great people in our lives, and we are working to build the infrastructure of our marriage. And you guys, marriage is hard. It is so hard. If I'm honest, it's hard, right? And this marriage has a lot of things that are very hard. And they look different than my other marriage. But here's the thing that's different in me. 
is that I understand that Bryson is not my everything. He can't be my everything. Bryson is a human with flaws, just as I am. And he has to be free to make mistakes. And he has to be free also to not meet my standards. Because God's going to work in his heart, just like God's working on mine. And I am never going to be a perfect wife. I'm never going to fulfill him in all of those ways. And me understanding that has been the most revelational thing that I've ever experienced. Because I love my husband dearly. I love him. And I'm so thankful for him. And while marriage is hard, it's also so good. And those hard times make us stronger with each other. But also, I've learned that, like, in those hard times, I have emotions. I have anger. I have this thing that comes up in me where I'm like, I just need you to do this. Or I just need you to talk to me in this way. And I just need to be heard. And I just need to feel like you love me. And so, yes, those things are real and they're true. But what I've learned from my life and and all the mistakes that I have made is that it is not his job to fulfill those things. And so I've learned that every day I get up and I get alone with the Lord and he fulfills those things in me. And so there's freedom. There's freedom for me to love Bryson and there's freedom for him to love me in a way that I haven't ever been able to before because I didn't understand those things. And so, again, I don't want you to hear me say that those things aren't important in a marriage. They are. But when those things can be met through Jesus, then you don't need as much from your spouse. And they have more freedom to grow and to love you and to make mistakes and then to do great and wonderful things and you can receive them better. And so I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for the things that God has taught me. And let me just say, this life of faith, it's hard, right? This life of faith is hard because it's a daily moment-by-moment battle and choice that we put ourselves second, that we die to ourselves like the scripture says. And it's so true. It's so true that if we can die to ourselves, there is freedom there. And I've seen it time and time again. And every day my prayer is, Jesus, would you strengthen the infrastructure of my heart so that I can withstand more, so that I can stay focused on you. And it doesn't mean I won't make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes, and I still do. But God comes in those moments, and he heals, and he breathes life, and he gives sustenance. And I think that the most, um, the thing that sticks with me the most is that when I understand the process by which God sanctifies me, then I can love him more freely. Because I am refined through fire, through trials, through the sin that I have. The process of being pruned, it's beautiful and it's worthy. So the sin that I deal with, that I haven't been able to completely get out of my life and the trials that we go through and the days where I just feel like my needs aren't being met. When I understand that it's those things that God uses to sanctify me, to refine me, to make me holy like him, then all of a sudden I don't resent those things. I can embrace them and I can walk in them because I know that God's stepping in and that he's strengthening me through those things. And before, I didn't see it that way. I saw all those things as I was ashamed and I was guilty, just like the woman at the well. I was so guilty and I walked around with, like, all these mistakes that I had made. I made them. I made mistakes that changed the course of not just my life but my children's life. And 
instead of learning from those and allowing God to heal them, I would just carry them around like chains and just felt guilty all the time. And because God is good and because he's full of grace and because he loves me, he freed me from those things, not because I deserve it, but because he is good. And so now here I am and I'm in a place where I'm not afraid anymore and I'm not carried, carrying around this, this weight and this guilt. And there has been so much freedom. And that is what I want for you guys. I want you to feel free. I want you to run to the people in the village, just like the lady at the well, saying, I'm free. I'm free because Jesus has freed me. And I understand that. And does it mean that life is perfect? No, life will never be perfect because I'm refined through fire. But I'm free to walk through those because God loves me and because I understand that it's in my weaknesses that he is strong and that he brings life. And so throughout this podcast, I definitely, you know, I want to be authentic and I want to be able to talk about the things that I've experienced. And I'm hoping that there's people out there that are maybe walking like I have walked. Maybe you're in the middle of making some decisions that you know are wrong. You feel like that sin is bigger than you and you can't contain it. Maybe you're in a place where you feel so guilty because you feel like you're just messing up all the time. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like you're in a marriage that you need your husband to talk to you a certain way. You need him to love you a certain way. You need him to meet your needs. And you're just being owned by that right now because I'm telling you, I've been owned by those things because those needs and those feelings are real. You can't ignore them. They're real. But they're not ultimate. And it's a daily pursuit of the Lord and a daily fight that we have to we have to bear arms and we have to take up our cross. We have to fight those things. And I promise you, I promise you that when you do and when you let Jesus fulfill those things, there is freedom and he will do it because he loves us. So if you guys have time, I want you to listen to a song by the artist Shane and Shane that's called Though You Slay Me. Though You Slay Me. And John Piper, who's a pastor, he has a little insert in this. And I'm going to repeat this because this is something that I probably have to preach to my soul on a daily basis. And in that, so, I'm just so thankful. There's been so much joy and so much happiness. And the fact that God would bring me this man that I'm married to now that I don't deserve, this man who loves me and that fights for me and provides and all these things, that is not because I am good. That is because God is good and that even when you mess up big, even in the middle of your sin, just like the woman that was caught in adultery, God is there ready to forgive you and to offer you freedom if we would just take it. And so this is what John Piper says. He says, not only is all of your affliction momentary, not only is all of your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or the fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory that you will get because of that. It's not meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. But don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid gets hit by a car, when you go through divorce, when you find yourself in the middle of something that you don't want to be involved with, 
don't say that it's meaningless because it's not. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory that you will get because of that. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them. Meditate on them. Preach them to yourself. Preach them to your soul every morning. Get alone with God and preach truth to yourself until your mind sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. So I hope that this is life-giving to some of you guys. Um, Also on this podcast, I have two boys that are just hysterical, full of life. My husband is hilarious. Our relationship, as you can imagine, we're 13 years apart has a lot of things I would love to talk to you about that will make you laugh, that will make you raise your eyebrows, things like that. Um, So on this podcast, I just want to share authentic parts of my life, stories, things that God put on my heart, and hope that you also could laugh, that you could find freedom in Jesus, freedom to love your spouse, to love your kids, um, and that maybe hopefully some of the mistakes that I've made and that I've walked through can, can bring wisdom and life to you. Uh, maybe if you're going through them now, or or hopefully that maybe there are things that maybe you don't have to walk through because maybe you're the kind of person that can absorb wisdom um, and make those choices for yourself. I was never that person. I was never the person who heard something wise and then was like, okay, I'm going to steer clear of that because I understand this person. I was always the person that dove into it recklessly, all in or all out. <laughs> and because of that, I learned so, so, so much. So I love you all. I'm praying for the people that listen to this um, and hoping that it provides freedom, that it provides encouragement. And, you know, we're all in this together because life of faith is hard. The life of a mom is hard. The life of a wife is hard. But it's so good and it's so worthy. And I'm just praying that over you guys today.